Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. The weather here in Canada is below freezing today, and the thought of exploring a warm weather destination is honestly really appealing. I love escaping winter to a place that has culture, history, great food, beautiful landscapes, and the odd beach. So I'm really excited to talk to Matt Hartel today. He's the founder of Adventure Guatemala, and he's going to share everything that makes Guatemala a great place for a adventure destination. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited because Central America is a place I actually don't know very much about. I've never been there. I've spent a lot of time in South America and obviously in North America. Uh, but the people I know that have spent time in Central America just kind of rave about it for so many different reasons. But, you know, from your point as someone who's run an adventure travel company for 25 years, what do you hear from your guests about why Guatemala is such a great destination? Well, Guatemala is just such a unique place. And culturally, it's super vibrant. There's just so much going on in terms of, you know, the culture and the people. Um, Geographically-wise, it's super close to North America. Um, it's easy to get to big mountains. It's super diverse. We've got great coastlines, rivers. The mountain biking's phenomenal. It's warm. We got the mountains, the beach. It's kind of the full package, and it's really easy to get to and, and close to the rest of North America. And when it's cold and miserable up north, it's always super nice and warm and sunny down south. And so, you know, Guatemala has always been called the land of the eternal spring. You know, so daytime temps, you know, 20 degrees Celsius, you know, 70s during the day and a little cooler at night. Uh, it could be a little warmer, you know, sometimes of the year, but it's just a really agreeable climate and super fun and lots to do and easy to get to. It really just is kind of the total package. Yeah, and, and that's what I've heard. It's, you know, this idea of we want to re relax and recharge and we go onto a beach. But another way to relax and recharge is just to go and explore and stimulate your mind, your senses and have this, you know, this complete experience as you described. Uh, I'm interested, what uh, got you to start Adventure Guatemala in the first place? Uh, you know, travel initially, you know, just kind of always been bit by the travel bug and was lucky to to have gone down to Guatemala and Belize back in the kind of mid 90s. I was down there in 96 uh, during my, my winter break from university and traveled around Belize quite a bit and then went into Guatemala. And at that point, just realized that, I mean, it was such a beautiful, untapped, you know, destination, so much potential of stuff to do. Uh, and we're really just trying to figure out how to get into it. And I, I tried to not go back and finish my days at university. My parents didn't let that happen. They made, <laughs> made me come back home and, and finish up. But like at that point, it was pretty much done. My brother and I decided we wanted to go back and he's a couple years older than I am. So I had to finish school. And what I did, uh, we loaded up a truck and bought a bunch of gear and bikes and, and, and went back to Guatemala and yet it was one of the few places I'd been at that point in my life. But, you know, I knew that it was, you know, it's going to be a, a great destination. It was, you know, there was so much to do there. It just seemed like the right play. What a great story. Taking that plunge just out of a, a passion of the place, a place you'd been. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the details of what, you know, what some of the activities that, you know, people just love about uh, about Guatemala. And so uh, I'm not sure if there's certain like must-do experiences or places you have to visit, but can you maybe describe someone who's going to come for a week or two, what are some of the things they have to do to really get, you know, the same joy out of their experience that you, you've got 
uh, on your trips? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's any number of different ways to kind of approach a, you know, a one week must do trip to Guatemala. A lot of it kind of depends on what you're into, you know, but, you know, just scratching the surface, there's phenomenal mountain biking, just the outdoors in, in access to recreation in general is really good in Guatemala. So for us, you know, our passions kind of lie in all things outdoors. So, you know, the hiking, trekking, biking, there's really, you know, there's a bunch of trails in and around Antigua where we are, which is this UNESCO World Heritage Site, which was once the original Spanish colonial capital of all of Central America. So it's got, it's just steeped in history and cool architecture. And even Antigua alone as a destination is a you know, pretty spectacular spot. And again, like the must-dos, you know, uh, we sit on the Pacific Ring of Fire. So we've got 33 some odd volcanoes, you know, in the country, three of which are active. One in our valley alone is super active. It's kind of the old faithful, so to speak, of of the volcano world. It blows almost nightly and you can sit on your front porch and, and watch it go. And there's a neighboring volcano called Acatenango that you can go up and spend the night, you know, at 3,500 meters right in front of the volcano that's blowing up and you know, have the, a night up there, have a glass of wine and, and camp out. That's definitely become one of the must-do experiences. So, you know, I'd say you, you come in, you get a couple of days in Antigua, you go for a hike, a mountain bike ride, you get up on a volcano. Uh, Lake Atitlan is another one of these beautiful kind of geographically unique spots where it's an old uh, crater lake that's filled in with water. And it's, you know, got these Beautiful little Mayan communities, you know, that ring ring the, the side of the lake, and it has a couple of volcanoes there as well. Great place for water sports and paddling and paddle boarding and swim, you know, swimming and just general hanging out in a hammock. You know, the beaches are pretty nice. We do a lot of stuff down there between surf trips or kind of flat water, backwater kayaking trips, and there's birding and turtles and some you know some nature based tourism to do there. You know, those are kind of some of the big highlights. Uh, and then, you know, to the northern jungles, you've got the Mayan ruins of Tikal, which are, you know, these beautiful, humongous, you know, ruins that date back thousands of years that were, you know, tucked in the jungle. And I'd say that's a, another kind of great go-to, um, you know, something to do. It, it sounds to me like, you know, Guatemala is just this incredible multi-sport. A lot of trips, people, they only trek or they only cycle or they're only, you know, scuba or snorkeling. It sounds like you can kind of do something different every day in a different part of the country. Is that what most people do? Or are there still people who will come and try and, you know, put together a seven-day trekking or hiking holiday? We, you know, we do a little bit of both. You know, we, we do so much at Old Town that, you know, we've got multi-sport trips where you come in and you, uh, you bike ride and then you do a cultural trip. And then all of a sudden you're whisked away to the lake where you bike, hike and kayak. And then you're on a volcano and then we're down on the Pacific coast. But we definitely get folks who come in and like, hey, I want seven days of mountain biking or I want two weeks or I want to do a five-day trek through the highlands. So we do a little bit of both. Uh, and we certainly try to round out people's experiences, you know, with, and give them ideas of, you know, kind of alternate ways they can spend their time. So so with the trekking and the cycling ones, I'm really interested in those. Are those a type of uh, situation where you're kind of trekking or cycling between villages and you're staying in a different place each night? Or are you setting up, you know, remote camps with tents? Like what is the uh, accommodations and kind of day-to-day look like? Again, we do a little bit of both. So Guatemala is at the same time, it's a kind of a densely populated country. So you know, and speaking of like a cycling trip in 30 or 40 kilometers, you can always make it to another town. So we do a lot of these point A to point B kind of cross sections of the country where you might be out for five days and you, you ride from hotel to hotel to lodge to community hostel kind of thing. And we've done the same thing where you ride and we set up these backcountry camps 
uh, both being on foot and or on bike. And we do, there's a really cool trek between Antigua and Lake Atitlan that we do. And we kind of do it as like an old school backpacking trip, or we also have the capacity to set it up as like a full-blown glamping experience where you're kind of coming in in a vehicle setting up safari tents and you can go that route. Um, we do some trekking across the Western Highlands where we stop in at community hostels along the way. So it's really cool, great community experiences where you're walking, you know, full day out there as far out as you can imagine, super remote. And then you come across this house where this family is and they invite you in. They've got like a, a spot where you can stay and cots on the ground and, and they cook for us and you stay with those guys and have these really cool kind of community-based experiences. And then you move from that spot to the next and we can do five to 10 nights out, you know, use, utilizing these community hostels, which is great. You know, I think that that's such a great way to understand a country. You know, I think what's happening, people, they're tired of just sitting on a bus and staying in holiday inns. You know, the whole explosion of adventure and active travel is people wanting to understand the places they're visiting more. And even now it's, you know, trying to interact with people that live there to understand what it's like to be a citizen of the country you're visiting, understand how regular people are, because uh, it gives you such a more, a more authentic experience. And I think it's super cool that you guys are doing this because uh, it's not something that's, that's super common uh, in other parts of the Americas. Uh, and it sounds really interesting. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, you know, like you say, there's been so much heart and soul and blood and sweat that's been poured into this to find these unique and really far away destinations and routes. And, you know, we've hiked our bikes out of every ravine in that country trying to figure out ways to link it all together. And then when you do link it and you're able to, to ride into a spot and stay with a family, you know, and then you just get this whole other layer of the experience. You know, and I've done a lot of riding and, and hiking around the world and people always ask me how it is in, in Guatemala and, you know, and like the riding or the hiking on its own right is good. But then when you add on that extra like layer of the, of the culture and the people and what you're seeing and smelling and along the way, it just adds this whole nother kind of component to it which is almost unquantifiable. It's just, it's really cool. I love that. It's, it's like a delight for all your senses. And it's really stimulating, like, you know, your mind learning about these other cultures. Uh, you mentioned a bit about hiking there. What is hiking like? Like you've hiked all over the world. Is this something where you're in the jungle? Are you above tree line? Are there expansive views, big days? What can people expect? The country is geographically, there's just so many different regions. In and around Antigua, where we are, you know, we're at about 1,500 meters, so we're not above treeline, uh, but, you know, we do have some big above treeline peaks, you know, the big volcanoes. But the multi-day stuff tends to be through kind of pine and deciduous forests, in and out of communities, you know, through agricultural areas. I mean, you know, you're, you're on a ridge line, so you these big, beautiful views off to the south coast or out into the, to the mountains or out in the distance. Um, and then we also do a lot of trekking that's up kind of on the not the, the there's a ring of, of mountains to the north of Guatemala and it's non-volcanic so you're up there in these big peaks above treeline really remote so we do a little bit of that too big views the whole way through lots of little communities and then we do some trekking out in the jungle and so that's kind of more cultural based where you're going between Mayan ruins you're going from uh, ruin site to ruin site you know, you're really able to get a few days back in the jungle and you're staying at these old archaeological camps and stuff like that. So, I mean, we kind of, it runs the gamut. We really do have, you know, a lot of everything in terms of like what you're going to see, what the landscape is like, elevation profiles. Uh, you mentioned earlier about about kind of water-based activities, and we've seen a lot of people the last year, especially, they want to combine like kind of a hard adventure with trekking or like a big bike tour 
and then they want to just kind of like sit on sit on a beach or go snorkeling or go scuba. Um, you talk a little bit about, about surfing, but like, what are the beaches like? Are these swimming beaches? Is there good snorkeling? Is there good scuba? Like, like what can people expect? Yeah, in terms of the beaches, Guatemala has always been kind of passed over on the beach vibe. And the beaches here were really late to, to develop. Salvador and Costa Rica and Nicaragua have been beach destinations for, for years. You know, the endless summer movies, you know, it's all down in, in Salvador. Um, but the beaches in Guatemala, there's a couple really nice beaches that have sprung up that have been developed in the past maybe five to ten years. Uh, they're super relaxing. black sand beaches. The surf is is pretty decent. Again, it's not Costa Rica. It's not going to be El Salvador, but we definitely have good kind of beginner waves. Uh, it's mainly beach break stuff. You can rely on it. It's there. It's constant. The beach towns are really cool. They're easy to get to from where we are. It's just about an hour and a half uh, dropping out of the mountains down the Pacific coast. Um, just super kind of chill. Otherwise, you know, if you're talking about snorkeling and diving, Guatemala doesn't have too much of that Caribbean side to it. We're kind of hemmed in by Belize quite a bit, but that stuff is close to us in Belize. And we, we do a lot of, you know, kind of add on snorkeling type expeditions where we you know, do something in Guatemala and then take people out to Belize. Um, a little bit of diving in Lake Atitlan, which is up in the central highlands of Guatemala. It's a big, very deep crater lake, very clear. Um, and most people go up there. There's a dive operation there where, you can come in and get an altitude dive or deep dive or something like that. But most of the water-based stuff is kayaking. There's a lot of great white water. There's some flat water stuff. We've got some beautiful rivers and lakes. And the Pacific coast for surfing is, is pretty good. Uh, that sounds epic. Um, another thing we notice is people really are keen on exploring the food of the different places. It's almost like it's a whole separate aspect. Like people want to know about the food. Some parts of Central America, at least here in Canada, you know, we're seeing restaurants pop up and they're the new hip hip restaurant is, you know, from from someplace that, you know, we didn't associate with food even five or 10 years ago. What can people expect for food in Guatemala? Guatemalan food is, it's not as flamboyant as like Mexican food. You know, it's not as saucy and cheesy and, and spicy as, you know, some of our neighbors to the north. Lots of, it's kind of lots of meat and veggies and, and chicken. And, you know, it's not just rice and beans and lots of really good, local fare uh and it kind of again changes region to region you know lots of stews and 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 again meat dishes and they love to put stuff you know meat on the grill and and, and grill veggies um and then you know they've got the tamales and the tostadas and all that kind of local stuff that you'd expect and certainly eating in the in the local markets is a lot of fun and going and and exploring and seeing what's out there you know and antigua is a very international uh, destination. So lots of great food that maybe isn't even endemic to, 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 to Guatemala that's been brought in, but you know, we've got just really great restaurants and good food. It's got a, a certainly a Guatemalan flair on traditional cuisines from around the world. You mentioned Antigua a few times. Are there other cities or, or towns that people really should make an effort to see if you know they're coming to Guatemala for a week or two? It's a great question. I mean, Antigua is the one of the more obvious focal point spots in terms of coming in and and seeing. It's Guatemala City it does have some nice parts to it as well. You know, it's kind of a, a big Central American city, so it kind of has a lot of the stuff that kind of comes with that in terms of big population. But it does have a really cool kind of really old historic part of the of the city as well that's worth seeing and touring around uh antigua is just pretty phenomenal it's a you know 
largely a 10 by 10 square grid, old school Spanish colonial cobblestone uh, city. Uh, definitely worth checking out. But then, you know, there's so many cool little towns tucked in and around the country. Each one's got its own little thing going on, you know, which is really cool. There's little weaving towns. There's a lot of history in Guatemala. So if you have the time and and can get yourself a little further afield, Neva up in the, in the central highlands is really cool. There's a lot of history there. And, you know, you're not going to kind of you kind of need to do a little bit of homework to to read up on, you know, to, to really extract some of the, the knowledge from these places, to kind of to pull in what you're seeing. Uh, Quetzaltenango is a town out to the west, and it's kind of Guatemala's second largest city. And it, too, has some really cool old architecture and lots to see and do in and around. It kind of has a slightly different vibe. You know, Once you get out of Antigua, you kind of lose the density of foreigners as well. So, you know, while Antigua is really beautiful, it's definitely got the highest density of, of travelers. So if you can get out and get out to some of these other places, you know, to Huehuetenango out you know, at the base of the mountains, just you kind of, it's like this, the right context of juxtaposition of where it is in relation to the mountains and the scenery you're seeing nearby is pretty phenomenal. And then uh, Quetzaltenango is a really cool place. And there's lots of really cool villages at the lake. You know, the beach has some cool spots. They're all going to be lesser known and you kind of have to, you know, decide which ones to go hit. But it's like these cool little Mayan markets spring up in these little indigenous towns. And they've all got something unique to offer. You know, they're all worth seeing. You just, it's hard to build them all into to one trip. It's funny. You, you mentioned history a, a few times there. And uh, I think a lot of people, we think of history of, oh, let's go to Europe. It has all this history. And we kind of don't realize in North America, you know, you just go a bit farther south and you've got, you know, the whole Spanish colonial empire that, you know, has lots of history. You also have the indigenous histories in Central America uh, and then down in South America, you have all these Mayan ruins. And there is just a ton of history that's actually a lot closer than Europe. Uh, but I, I feel like we just don't realize what's there and, and kind of what is what was left over from, you know, the Spanish empire and all their activities. There are some pretty impressive uh, things to see. There really are. Yeah. And, and again, Guatemala is blessed that it's got, it, it was kind of the epicenter of what, you know, they can kind of consider the the Mayan biosphere or the Mayan, the Mayan world, which encompassed kind of Southern, Southern Mexico, most of Belize, all of Guatemala, pretty much parts of Eastern Salvador and, uh, or I say Western, I'm so, uh, Washington, Salvador and Honduras, um, you know, but all of Guatemala, you know, kind of falls in that. So we've got, you know, ruins that kind of run the, the gamut of the, the timing of the Maya and the, and the kind of the, some of the earlier cultures and then the time of the Spanish. And, you know, you've got all these remnants of the Spanish colonial stuff that's, you know, all through Guatemala and in, in the area as well. There's even more history laid on top of that in terms of, you know, Guatemala did go through 35 years of civil war as well. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of other history there to, to kind of you know read about and learn about, um, but yeah, in terms of place where you really want to go in and, and like take a look around, and you can see, I mean, you see the Mayan ruins right up next to the Spanish colonial building, right up next to a totally contemporary building, and you're seeing just like thousands of years of uh, of history roll right out in front of your eyes. Um, you know, Guatemala does offer up some really you know, you know interesting and unique perspectives there. Yeah, it's just really interesting. You see all these different empires, all kind of. Beside each other, it, it really, it really makes you think. Uh, you mentioned a bit about the Civil War. Uh, I know there's always a fear of, you know, kind of for some people, it's everything, you know, south of the U.S. border. They're just worried about uh, what is the safety situation and, and what are some concerns people have to be aware of going to Guatemala? Guatemala is always going to be one of these places that kind of suffers a little bit from a perception problem. Um, I think many 
countries in Central America, you know, suffer and South America for that matter, you know, suffer some of these some of these issues. You know, the Civil War you know, ran from the 60s to the mid 90s. They signed the peace accords in 96. I live in Antigua year round. My family is there. I've got two small kids. Uh, you know, we live in the region, have been there since the late 90s. You know, I don't think that it's any more dangerous than anywhere else. I mean, I think that there's parts of large cities in North America that are every bit as dangerous as, you know, anywhere else you'd go. So, you know, I do think that a, a good comment, a dose of common sense will take you a long way. I mean, stay off dark streets. You don't carry tons of cash on you. I mean, there's all the, all the things I think you would do. Yeah, as you're cruising around some of these larger cities in North America, you'd want to do in Guatemala as well. And we certainly, I mean, I can't run a business taking people to places that I think that they would be a problem. So we're able to operate all over the country. We operate in places that are safe. And frankly, places we go are usually so back, you know, in the back country that that's not where the problems are. You know, a lot of the crime and, and that sort of thing are kind of related to drug trade or gangs or something like that, which really doesn't permeate into, you know, the areas where where we're typically traveling or, you know, these kind of larger tourism destinations. While I can never promise anything, obviously, you know, we wouldn't knowingly take someone to, to a place we thought that there'd be an issue or that it would be dangerous. And I have no problem living there year round, you know, and I don't, it would be, if it were so bad, the guy'd feel comfortable having kids there and having them run around and and that sort of thing. So I think do your homework, you know, have, you know, some common sense and figure out where you're going. And, but I think you can definitely have a successful, safe experience in Guatemala and in most of the countries or all of the countries, I should say, you know, kind of in and around the region. I think the benefit of working with a local guide is they know where, as you say, you know, we're safe. You're taking people that you're comfortable going yourself, uh, which just, you know, it just heightens your ability to be safe. The other thing is, I know there's lots of news here in uh, in Canada about you know how dangerous Mexico is, but it seems every time there's an issue, it's because a guy got really drunk at a nightclub and you know started to fight the wrong guy, or they were selling drugs. And as you said, like if you don't do you know don't go and get drunk in you know any big city that you don't know anybody and tr- try and fight people, like that's always a bad a bad sign. So I think just the rules you you have at home. If you use them where, where you go, that's going to be 90% of the, of the solution. That's right. Again, I mean, just having uh, having some common sense, just doing, being a good work global citizen and just being out there doing the things you, like you said, do what you do at home and, and kind of adhere to those kind of normal safety standards that you do anywhere will typically keep you up in the free and clear. You mentioned kind of the, a bit, a bit about the weather. Is there a better time of the year to go? Do you, is, is there a time where you say, oh, this is, you should really try and come during, during this season? Boy, <laughs> uh, you know, so our, our seasonality is more wet and dry than anything else, first of all. Um, the drier season runs November to, to May, so kind of late October through April, May, and then the rains kind of start tapering in April, May, and run through mid-October. It's hard to bring someone out of rainy Europe to bring them to rainy Guatemala, so you know, it kind of depends on where you live. So be a driest time of the year again, November, kind of November to March. It's, you know, bluebird skies. It's beautiful. My favorite time of year is kind of that right when the rains taper out, kind of November, December, January. Um, As the dry season wears on, it starts to get a little brown and can get dusty, but it's not going to rain on you. But, you know, it can be a little browner and dustier. You know, in the rainy season, I've lived there long enough. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people who live, you know, in and around the world. You know, you think about your kind of 
your Seattle folks or, you know, Vancouver or somewhere up, you know, where you're getting a lot of that Pacific Northwest, you know, kind of moisture, you know, as long as you, you, there's no such thing as bad weather, it's just bad clothing. Right. So, I mean, even in the rainy season in Guatemala, it's not like we don't get these kind of romantic movie, just weeks of just downpour. You know, a lot of the rain we get where we are is kind of up, is it night or it's, you know, rains for a few hours in the afternoon. So a lot of times you're able to get out in the mornings or, you know, maybe it doesn't rain at all during the day and it rains at night. Um, and so when it does, when you are in the rainy season, you can be guaranteed it's green. I mean, it's beautiful. It's just dripping green everywhere you go. So it's really quite phenomenal for that. You know, we do have a kind of a heavier rainy time in the rainy season, which would be like September kind of corresponds with hurricane season, um, you know, kind of across the, the North America. So we do get some heavier rain then, but living there year round, wouldn't hesitate to go there anytime. But I guess if you really wanted to make sure like, hey, I don't, the, the idea of hiking and even getting remotely any moisture, then I would, you know, plan on tra- you know, traveling between <laughs> kind of November and, and May or, or April for that matter. And if the, you know, the rains don't bother you a little bit or you're certainly accustomed to kind of managing some of that, you know, I think that coming through the rainy season is fine too. We get this oddly spectacular dry spell in the middle of the rains and it's inexplicable I don't know what's going on, but it's like every July. And again, it's hard to convince somebody to come out of like sunny Europe to come to rainy season Guatemala and tell them like, hey, but trust me, July is going to be great. But it's like every July is phenomenal. I don't know what's going on. I can't explain (laughs) it. Uh, But there's this like mini dry season that happens in there. Um, so if you can peg that, that's a really good time too. Uh, I want to uh, go back to your first trip there. And, you know, there was something that must have made you fall in love with Guatemala. Is there one memory you have from your very first trip? Like, you know, one scene that like, it just kind of imprinted on you why you're here 25 years later, living there, raising a family there, running a tour company. Yeah. There's so much that kind of like goes, but I mean, you know, memories and snapshots in my mind, we spent at that particular trip, we spent a lot of time up in the jungles in the North. And I remember sitting on top of, you know, one of these Mayan temples at sunset with my brother, you know, overlooking the jungle and there's monkeys, howler monkeys howling in the trees and, you know, and macaws flying around. I mean, it's just beautiful. You know, you're like, you can't make that stuff up. It's something from a movie. Um, And it was just really spectacular. And then just like, I don't know, there's just sense, there was a sense of freedom there to me. And there was just a sense of like, it was really rough around the edges, you know, and coming out of like, you know, a very polished United States feel and then getting into a country that still felt kind of raw and kind of, open and like hey we're open for business there's no one here there's no one doing anything and no one cares what you do just come here and hang out and enjoy this place uh it was just a, i don't know it was just like a real raw feeling about it that i you know, i just loved you know and i um i don't know that that's always and I'm, that's why i'm always on the out there looking for that next spot i mean it's always about trying to find you know, as antigua has kind of come and grown into its own in terms of even being a destination yeah, we're always out there trying to push further into the backcountry to find that same spot that kind of gives that real kind of vibrance and, and kind of rawness to, to to the landscape and to the to you know to life there. I don't know if that encapsulates it or not, but for me that was you know kind of why I think Guatemala's such a cool place. It sounds epic, and I totally I totally get the feeling. Sometimes you go to a place, it just feels right. It just feels you know. Sometimes you go to a place, you're like I'm going to come back here really soon. Uh, or I'd like to live here. Most people don't do the step you do of saying, yeah, I'm going to go and live there and start a business. Uh, there's there's something in your personality that uh, you 
you follow through with what you plan to do, it sounds like. For us, it was like, you know, and everybody has this at some point in their life. I mean, it was like right place, right time, right concept. And for us, it was right place and right time. You know, we got there and Guatemala is freshly out of civil war and it was business. You know, the doors were open and it was just like, hey, how do we show the rest of the world that this is a really cool place? You know, and Antigua is just such a unique, very open uh, community and there's, you know, great people that live there and it's been fun to kind of see the way the town has developed over time. And um, it's just got a real good feel for a home base for the exploration further into kind of the, you know, the rest of the country. And so for us, it was, you know, it was perfect, you know, and, and, and it remains to be so. I mean, yeah, I still call, I've spent over half my life uh, living, you know, in Guatemala. And so in some parts, you know, I feel almost more Guatemalan or I, I can exist, you know, there almost easier than anywhere else. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you, for, thank you for coming on the podcast today. This was really great to, to learn more about Guatemala. It's a place I actually didn't know a ton about, uh, and it just sounds spectacular. So thanks for sharing your knowledge and also a little bit of your story of how you ended up there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, and Matt talked about a lot of uh, a lot of cool places, different experiences. I'm going to put some links in the show notes so you can check this out because um, I think it just, you know, the combination of mountains, oceans, lakes, volcanoes, culture, you know, food, cool colonial architecture, Mayan history, uh, it kind of does have it all. Uh, and it seems just like, you know, just this wonderful place to, uh, to explore. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.